Welcome to the Church Interpreting Podcast. My name is Lauren Albizu. And I'm Jonathan Downey. And on the show today... We're having another one of these discussions about some hot topics in church interpreting. It's great to be back. It's great to be doing these discussions again. Lauren, I can't remember exactly how long ago our last one was. It was last season, I think, technically. I believe it was last season. I think I was looking through my emails and I believe we recorded around like November. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So we have three topics today. Yeah, again, this will be the first of a three-parter. The first topic was we wanted to talk about the relationship between commercial interpreting and church interpreting. I don't use the phrase professional interpreting and church interpreting because professional church interpreting exists. We might go there in another episode, but how does your church interpreting affect your commercial interpreting and vice versa, Lauren? I would say the first thing that transfers over are the bad habits. (laughs) Honestly, there's very many good things that transfer over, but the very first thing that I noticed was impacting both of my lives were the bad habits I had developed in both places. I take a lot of liberties in church interpreting that I wouldn't take in professional or like commercial interpreting. Um, So I really had to tell myself, hey, in this setting, you cannot expand this much on what somebody's saying as you do in the church just because you know where they're going, right? Um, so that was a correction I had to give to myself. I don't know if you found that for yourself. I find the shortcuts transfer over. Mm-hmm. So in commercial interpreting, when I'm doing a, an assignment, if there's a long way to say something and there's a short way, I'll always, almost always try to say it the short way. Because the long way takes up so much mental space. And then you go to church where sometimes you get preachers who are a little bit slower than usual. And you still take the same shortcut, even though you don't need to. And yeah, I think a lot of the tricks and techniques that interpreters build up, like the the biggest myth of interpreting I've found is that people think that we utter word for word what the speaker said. And we're just following behind them, like, you know, the servant kind of brushing up the dust behind their feet. To make interpreting work, you need a whole bag of tricks to make stuff work. And I think I'm amazed at how many tricks transfer over. And and you're right, some of them probably aren't always the best. (laughs) But also, um, I've interpreted for some speakers who were very arty. And because most of my church interpreting has been in fairly modern Pentecostal-style churches, being able to deal with arty people in the commercial world transfers over really well. Mm-hmm. to Pentecostal style preaching. I, I feel like I don't need to fill in the gaps on that one because people know what Pentecostal preachers can be like. Yes, yeah, no, people have an idea of what that's going to look like and sound like. But on the other hand, when you do something super serious, like I remember once I was doing an event in the north of Scotland and the last talk of the day was the account, the company accountant doing the talk on the year's accounts. Mm-hmm. And if there's ever something to not finish the day with, it's accounting. And it was just reams and reams of numbers. And I realized then that there are certain parts of interpreting that I'm not naturally good at. Accountancy, mm-hmm. legal, procedural stuff. And you, you realize very quickly, church interpreting, I think, teaches you where your strengths as an interpreter are. So some interpreters love the really deep kind of theological Bible school teaching. And other interpreters are like, can I have a teacher who, can I have a preacher who shouts a bit, please? 
Uh, I know. And honestly, um, with church interpreting, sometimes um, it's really easy to be very dynamic up and down and up and down. And then you go to a commercial world where things are going to be less dynamic. You're not on a roller coaster anymore. You're you're on a train. Mm. It's going steady. And sometimes I find it hard keeping my pace in those steady moments because I'm used to the up and down. I don't know about you, but most of the really challenging interpreting I've had has come when you have non-native speakers of whichever language. Mm -hmm. So non-native speakers of French, non-native speakers of English, whose intonation doesn't match the content of what they're saying. And so like, I didn't realize until I'd been interpreting for a while how much of interpreting is based on reading the sound of what they're saying as well as the words. And when you don't know where to put the emphasis, especially going into French where you need it for the grammar and English where you need it for the intonation, it's very hard to follow people whose intonation is either weird or flat. Honestly, it happened to me two days ago. I was interpreting for this man, bedside, and he was joking about how hot it was. And he used the phrase that he could, he was, um, getting out of breath. And I just interpreted real serious because he was real serious about it. And if it wasn't for the fact that one of my coworkers was there, I wouldn't have known that he was actually just joking. I, I would, I, we would have called the doctor on him to try to fix his breathing, you know? And so it does become really, really hard unless you like, I don't know, be, are mentally prepared. And I don't even know how I would have predicted that that was a joke. I, I'm not quite sure. I think the context of the whole conversation, but it's just, it's, you have to evaluate the full situation before you walk into it. And that can be hard. Well, I think like the time I went and interpreted when I felt the, the most under pressure was I was once interpreting at a nuclear power plant and the morning started with the safety instructions. And if there's anything you don't want to expand on or omit information from, it's nuclear safety instructions. And suddenly you realize that the it's the same job, but how you perform it in different contexts changes so that I was not performing those nuclear safety instructions with the same intonation and pizzazz as I would a charismatic preacher. Uh-uh. But on the same token, on that assignment and on every assignment, you have to learn the skill of where is it that I can allow for gaps. So sometimes with preaching, there are things that you don't need to interpret because they're for locals only or because it's a repetition that you don't need to to carry across and that skill of listening out to where can i build cognitive space i think that's universal yeah but how it works i mean it's why i couldn't well two reasons why i couldn't do medical interpreting one i faint at the sight of blood which is not good if you're an interpreter (laughs) and two understanding the what is the important information in this situation because i have no medical knowledge that would feel really pressured for me if i were a medical interpreter because sometimes the little things that a patient says are actually super important for the doctor to know and other times i just having a laugh yeah which is why it's one good thing that has come from church interpreting into my commercial work is when to be silent because there are times, like you said, there's things that you don't interpret because they're either for the locals or they're like a joke that doesn't quite mm-hmm. translate. There's things that you don't say. Um, and so the same thing with this dialogue-like interpreting I'm doing now, um, there are things where I don't have to interpret. There are moments where I can just stay silent, moments where I can recognize when um, they're speaking to 
not me. Um, and it doesn't matter and it's not as important. Um, so I've been making those choices, but at the same time, still giving people context as to what's going on. Um, and that all came from my church interpreting because I wouldn't have known how to do it in medical because that's not how they explain things to you. Well, also, like most interpreters are trained, you have to interpret everything you hear. Yeah. But the more experienced you become, the more you realize, I understand where that comes from. But I think that it's a blunt instrument for what is a very complicated job. And I've come to the, the view that what happens is we train interpreters with definite straight statements to begin with because they don't have the intuition yes. of when to bend the rules. Um, and it takes you years. And sometimes you bend the rules and you realize that you've, you've made a mistake. And other times you don't bend the rules and you wish you had. And in a church, I know that mostly automatically because I've been to churches before. And if I know roughly what type of church it is, I know basically what to expect. But when it comes to commercial work, you're usually thrown into a situation where you are the least knowledgeable person in the room. And you have to very quickly find your feet. And I think those kind of straight statements that we teach student interpreters are where you, where you have to start. Yes. Are you comfortable that making those judgment calls of, I don't need to speak here? I'm semi-comfortable. I won't tell you I'm super comfortable because I'm still building that up. Okay. I'm still, I've still come from this whole interpret everything here mm. mantra, right? And every once in a while, when I know that there's family in the room, because that's the context I'm in, right? Mm. So when I know there's family in the room and they're going to talk to their families, I let them talk. And if it's something that's important for the doctor, then I'll make the choice of like giving just a brief summary to the doctor mm -hmm. or to the nurse. Um, but there are times in which I just say everything because I'm not sure. And I'm still working on making sure that I know when I can and when I cannot do that. So I would say I'm semi-comfortable because there are moments in which mm -hmm. I'm like, could I? And I think if we ever get too comfortable with our decision-making, it probably means we're making a mistake. Yeah. I think also where I'm growing a lot is recording practice sessions and playing them back. Well, that's that's a great thing. I've, I don't so, think I've ever recorded so myself. I've now been... So one of my colleagues, she's now the president of the European Society for Translation Studies. She's a lady by the, lady by the name of Elizabeth Teselius, did her PhD on basically do interpreters get better with time. It's a beautiful PhD. It's a lovely PhD. The answers will surprise you. I'm going to go clickbaity because I don't want to ruin the surprise. But one of the things that she points out is that very few interpreters do deliberate targeted practice. So now I'm doing deliberate practice with church stuff because that's where I want to specialize. And realizing I did one, I think it was two weeks ago, where I knew myself that it felt really choppy. So my output felt like I was saying a sentence and then saying a sentence and then saying a sentence and there was no flow. And I only had to listen back to five minutes of it to go, yeah, that's exactly what I was doing. And so then I knew in my next session I'm going to not worry about getting everything across. This session is going to be about getting comfortable with flow and getting comfortable with, if I miss a bat, I can summarize. It's no big deal. Mm -hmm. But that's, and, and that's what you're talking about. You know, we can't get too comfortable with making those decisions all the time. But by the same token, if we default to, I'm going to interpret everything, you're going to get really choppy, really 
overthought output that's going to miss the point half the time. And that works in church. I think that works in church and in commercial practice as well. No audience member is going, you missed that term most of the time. Maybe in nuclear safety. <laughs> maybe, maybe in nuclear safety, honestly. But no, in the church, people are already just in awe of like, oh, you followed them so well. And I don't know how you do it. Those are all the comments I always get. And I know I messed up. I'm sitting there going, yes, I did a great job. Hey, have you ever had someone give you a compliment and you're like, that was the worst session? Yes. And I don't know how to control my face to like not show them that I had a terrible session. I was taught when I was at university, you're only as good as your last assignment. Which isn't true. You no. can have a bad assignment and still be a good interpreter. Yeah, because, I mean, there's so many things that influence your interpreting. It's not just about knowing the words, it's what condition you're in, what the speaker's throwing at you. And sometimes the conditions of interpreting change, and that's why you'd had a bad day, right? I don't want to always blame external things. You know, sometimes I'm not doing great and I didn't do a good job. But I have to be gracious with myself. And again, that's a big thing that because I'm a Christian and because I interpret in the church, I have maybe a lot of grace on myself, but I try to not weigh myself down and be like, oh, I'm only as good as my last assignment because if I do that, then the next assignment is just going to go, well, this one's going to be bad too. <laughs> so put it this way, I, I like to run. I, I did a run this morning. A couple of Saturdays ago, I beat my record for how fast I can run five kilometers, which is 3.2 miles if you're in the States or in England. But you know, I've never run that quickly since. And today I was running the trails and where, whereas normally I can run, you know, six to six and a half minutes per kilometer, every kilometer today was about seven. Now I could go home and go, I'm a really slow runner, or I could go home and go, I just ran through mud. Of course I'm slower. And like, you know, the, the, the day when you're interpreting and the assignment doesn't go well, it's funny. one bad assignment doesn't make you a bad interpreter. I would rather have an interpreter who has a bad day and knows how to pick themselves up and learn from it mm -hmm. than an interpreter who's such a perfectionist that they aren't, aren't going to listen to anything about how to develop. That's yeah. dangerous. That's dangerous to the people listening to you and that's dangerous to you. Well, yeah, and also... A lot of it is to do with context. A lot of it is to do with inside. And I think for me, the, the one skill that transfers between commercial interpreting and church interpreting the best is learning how to approach yourself and learning how to learn from your own interpreting, whether you have a good day or a bad day. And if you can do that, it doesn't really matter where you're working, you're going to be okay. I agree. That's, that's a very good skill. I think another thing um, that I transfer over is is prayer. I, I know sometimes you think, oh, it's the commercial world. What do I need prayer for? What do I need the spirit for? But at the end of the day, the spirit needs to be in every aspect of my life, right? So sometimes at first, I will be completely honest, I would just be like, okay, I have the skills I'm going to interpret. I'm going to do it. Um, when I started incorporating prayer into my commercial life and going in and praying for myself really mostly um and for the sessions I was going to go into and asking for guidance and all that thing it helped my interpreting get better in the commercial world as well and it helped me get less stuck on certain terms because I can I tend to 
lean into that kind of perfectionist side of like if I didn't say the word the exact way I was thinking I needed to say it I'm going to think about it for the rest of the day um, and so I stopped doing that as much when I started allowing the spirit to work in every area of my work. My quick tip is to start putting prayer into everything that you do. Sometimes we're afraid to do it because what if I come out to churchy and all these things? But a quick prayer to yourself right before you start your commercial work is never going to be too churchy. If anything, it's something that we should be doing. So start engaging in that. Thank you very much for listening to the Church Interpreting Podcast presented by Lauren Albizo and Jonathan Downey. If you'd like any more information or support, go to churchinterpreting.com. Thank you for listening.